we're going to start a new message series here in, in just a moment here called God Never Said That. And the series is all about things that sometimes Christians think that God said, but aren't actually in the Bible. That happens. Or sometimes things that God said, but maybe we take them out of context to kind of twist them into something that's different than God's original meaning for them. Uh, so that's going to be kind of the basis of the series. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into that in just a moment. Um, but before I do, I uh, want to share with you just a little bit, just personally here, on uh, Thursday, I finished up the message Thursday night, got to preach it through here, and just felt so good, like this is what I feel the Lord laying on my heart, and uh, then Friday morning, my alarm went off at 6 o'clock, I got up, I went in the bathroom, got my drink of water, and um, my phone rang um, to let me know that my mother had passed on into eternal life. And um, thank you. She, many of you know that she has had um, cancer. She, uh, uh, this past year has been um, a difficult year for her. Um, and, you know, so I, I just want to say that I'm so thankful for a mom who not only um, helped me to grow up in faith in Jesus, but she really in this past year taught us how to die as well. Uh, because she was someone who her faith guided her through this whole year. And while the physical circumstances were often difficult, uh, she had a joy that was rooted in Jesus, and not even cancer could shake that. Doesn't mean it's always easy, but not even cancer could shake that. And so after I got off the phone, there's, you know, as many of you have been in that situation, and the way my brain works is a million logistics flood into your mind of all the things, and I was thinking, well, am I going to, to preach this or not? I felt God laying on my heart. Is it, things changed with this? We got an awesome team. Obviously, I don't need to be preaching, but I just felt the Lord saying, this is the message your mother lived out, and it's exactly the message that you should share. So it's kind of fun timing in that sense, not fun her passing, but how God kind of put all this together because I got to experience this as, as her son um, here in this past year. The, the myth, if you will, or the thing that God never said that we're talking about is the statement that you hear a lot, actually. You may have said it yourself. You probably heard it from preachers online or, or on TV or something like that. And it goes simply like this. God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to be happy. Now, here we are. We're like two minutes into this series, and you're probably like, I don't like this series already. <laughs> what do you mean God never said that? I mean, is God, is God anti-happiness? Is our pastor anti-happiness? What is wrong with this guy? How could you possibly, possibly challenge that or say that? And, and there's, with all of these statements we're going to look at, statements that we're going to look at, there's oftentimes a bit of truth in each one of them, right? Uh, and certainly, God loves to see His children happy, okay? Like, God, God um, this is the same God that created laughter, right? He loves it when His children laugh and, and enjoy life together. This was His creation, right? This is the same God who made puppies and kittens, right? You know, I mean, he made all these kind of good things that just bring us such, such happiness in life, right? You know, this is the God who created us with the ability to do pranks, right? You know, like he gave us this sense of humor. 
just silly stuff, right? Like, I, I think God likes that stuff. I mean, Jesus himself, he even nicknamed some of the disciples, right? James and John, they were known for their temper. He called them the sons of thunder, right? I'm sure that came up at some funny times. Like, hey, tone it down, sons of thunder, all right? Just <laughs> come on. Let's just, you know, take it easy, right? God is certainly not anti-happiness. That's not the message today. But there's a problem a very significant problem with this statement that says, God just wants me to be happy. Because the fact is that sometimes me and you are not happy. In fact, I would bet you that for all of us in this past week, we could think of some moments where we weren't happy. And of course, I I told you about the difficult news in my life, but just dumb stuff too, right? Yesterday, I was... uh, working on one of our kids' cars, uh, door, had to replace a door handle, right? And I had my, my phone in a certain place. I'm using, watching a YouTube video, right? That's how I learn everything, you know. And uh, wouldn't you know, stupid phone slipped, falls, and breaks my screen, right? Oh, man, I was not happy about that, right? Not happy at all. And like, like oh, come on, you know? Like, couldn't we have put like an angel foot underneath that thing? Or so, There had to be a solution for this. I didn't need this right now. You know, if God just wants me to be happy, and God is all-powerful, and I'm not happy, did God fail? I mean, logically, that's really the only thing that would make sense, right? I mean, if God wants me happy and I'm not, did God fail? It seems to argue that he did, if that's the case. Life is not always happy. So what's going on here? Well, 2 Timothy 2, 4, verse 3 says this, "'For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching.'" They'll follow their own desires. They'll look for teachers who will teach them or tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject truth and chase after myths. Huh. Can't imagine what he's talking about, right? I mean, certainly not us today, right? But we do this, right? The church for generations, we've, we've done this, right? We, we want to hear the things that our ears want to hear. And when we hear something like, God wants you to be happy, we're like, yes, that's right. I'm all in for that. I love being happy. I, I want me to be happy too. Thanks, God. Our desires are aligned here. This is great. But sometimes we aren't. And when we hold this belief, we really reduce the God of the universe down to this, like, cosmic vending machine, right? Where if, if I put in my quarters and I say the right prayers and push the right buttons, then God has to give me what I want because God wants me to be happy. And he's all powerful and so he can make me happy. So that's what he's got to do. Problem is in that situation, who's God? Becomes my happiness, right? Right? that the God of the universe becomes like the servant to my own happiness, and it really gets problematic. What if my happiness conflicts with your happiness, right? How does this even work out? What's going to happen in this situation? Look, I, I I know that God is a good God who is like this father that we sang about earlier, that we can find love and grace and so many good things in. I'm not saying that God is up there in heaven like some big, mean kid with the magnifying glass just looking to fry all of us little ants down here. Like, 
that's not God. I'm not saying that God takes pleasure and joy and like you know, all the pain and stuff that we go through. I'm not saying that. But I think there are, there are a number of times, well, probably at least three times. We'll list three today. Three times when God does not want you happy, okay? First of all, God does not want you happy when it is driven by circumstances alone. For so many of us, this is what happiness means. It means that the circumstances are going the way that I want them to go. So yesterday when I broke my phone screen, the circumstances were not going as I wanted them to go, right? It's a stupid little thing, but still. Uh, So suddenly I go from being, well, I'm doing okay, right, to I'm not happy, just like that, right? God wants something more than that. He doesn't want me to be happy when it's just driven by circumstances because if we're just happy when the happenings around us are good, that's kind of a fail there. Ecclesiastes 7 says this, when times are good, be happy, but when times are bad, consider this, God made one as well as the other. Huh. You don't often hear that one from the prosperity gospel camp, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, and it doesn't mean that God causes all the bad things in your life. That would be taking it too far, I think. But certainly, God is okay with good times and with difficult times. That, God, that, that being a Christian doesn't always mean that everything is always going to be easy and that you're always going to feel happy on the inside. Okay, Joy is something the Bible talks about. And sometimes we use joy and happiness as like synonyms, but they're really different. Happiness is, is based on the circumstances that are happening right now in my life. It's a temporal thing. So I can be cruising along and something good can happen, I can become very happy. Something bad can happen and I can become very not happy, very unhappy, right? Where joy is rooted in something much, much deeper. Joy is rooted in my relationship with the Lord. Joy is rooted in the fact that when Jesus came, he said he came to, to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, okay? So, so that joy is rooted in eternity. It's not just rooted in the temporal things of today. It's rooted in something so much bigger, so much greater than that. That's what joy is all about. Uh, joy is, it has much deeper roots. Like, think about it like this. Uh, happiness is kind of like a mushroom, right? A mushroom can, can grow up like in no time at all, right? doesn't take much time to develop. But if you have a pretty short drought or other bad conditions, that mushroom can die off pretty quickly. An oak tree is completely different. An oak tree takes years and years and years to grow, but when you've got a strong oak tree, that thing's got some roots underneath it, right? So you can have a drought for even for years, and that oak tree can still survive. It can survive drought. It can survive storms. It can survive all these kind of things. Happiness is kind of it's like that mushroom. It's got very shallow root. It comes and goes like that, where joy is rooted in something so much deeper, so much deeper than our circumstances, and that's what Jesus wants for you. Just pursuing temporary happiness oftentimes brings pain into our lives. Think about the prodigal son. He had an awful good life. He, he had a great, uh, great uh, family. He was pretty wealthy. He had a big inheritance coming to him, all these kind of things. And he still, he still wasn't good with all that. 
He demanded of his father that he get the inheritance now, and he went out on his own, and he spent it doing everything he thought would make him happy. He lived big. He partied. He spent the money. He had all the friends. He had all the girls. He had all the food. He had all the stuff, all the things of this world that would surely make him happy until it all ran out. And he found himself at the most miserable place of his entire life. Friends, in the pursuit of happiness, many people become miserable. Miserable. If all you're doing is chasing that temporary stuff that, like that mushroom, will make it just spring up and make you happy today, you can oftentimes find yourself miserable. Maybe this will make me happy. Maybe that will make me happy. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll give myself to all these different things. And in the pursuit of happiness, in the most financially prosperous, uh, prosperous country in the history of the world, so many of us are so very, very unhappy. How can that be? How can that be? Well, we focused on the short term, and we haven't focused on the things that really matter and are so much deeper than our current circumstances. You know, if somebody tells you that faithfulness to God will always lead to happiness in your life, they haven't read the Bible, okay? Because if you read the New Testament, And you look at the leaders of the New Testament, and you look at their lives and what they had and didn't have, zero of them would be considered blessed by prosperity gospel standards, meaning that if you're blessed, you're you're wealthy, and life always goes well for you, and always happy, all this kind of stuff. Zero of them were that way, okay? None of them got wealthy off of this. Uh, None of them... Uh, Their lives got significantly better by earthly standards. In fact, the vast majority of them were killed. They were martyred for what they believed. It didn't end well for most of them. The Apostle Paul, uh, he was our primary evangelist. He wrote 28% of the words in the New Testament. He's somebody who his life impacted the world uh, for for generations to come. Paul's going to talk to us here in a minute, but let me tell you the context of what he's saying. When Paul writes these words... He's sitting in prison. He's chained to a Roman soldier, and he's awaiting the decision as to whether he will live or whether he will be executed. Is that happiness? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) That's not happiness by anybody's standards, right? And what does Paul say? Philippians 4, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here it is. I can do this all through him who gives me strength. Wow. There's a guy who's like at the bottom in terms of worldly standards, right? And he's like, I've had it, I've lost it. I've had it good, I've had it bad, and here's what I'm telling you. I can make through it all because of Jesus Christ who gives me strength. There's somebody who is rooted in true joy. There's somebody whose heart is in eternity, not on the circumstance of this world. There's somebody who's not just finding happiness in temporal things. He's got a joy that's so much deeper. So you can lock me up, you can chain me up, you can put me to death, but you can't steal that joy that Jesus gave me. You can't take that away. It's simply not possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So God doesn't want us happy when it's just based on circumstantial things. Second thing, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something sinful or stupid. 
This is true. And oftentimes in our pursuit of happiness, we do things that are sinful and or stupid, right? It happens. We've all seen countless examples. We have been examples of this at various times in our life. 1 Peter 1.15 says, says this, But now you must be happy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is happy. Right? No? Oh, I messed it up, didn't I? My bad. I'm sorry. Now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. You see, we set the wrong baseline sometimes. We think the baseline for whether life's going good or not is whether I feel happy with my current circumstances. That's not a biblical understanding, friends. Our standard is this. It's God's holiness. Am I finding joy in living the way the Lord is calling me to live? That means I'm not doing the sinful, stupid stuff to find happiness, to find meaning, to find purpose. No, I'm finding joy in His holiness. I'm finding joy in how good God is and in living that way because I recognize that God's ways are higher than mine. God's call is is better than mine. That the decisions God would have me to make are better than the decisions I'll ever make on my own. So I'm not going to find happiness in stuff that is sinful and stupid. Now, I hope you won't miss the heart of this because, again, it's not that God is up there in heaven just like, hey, I hope I can watch him suffer today, right? It's, it's not that. God gets great joy out of seeing his, his kids uh, find joy in certain things, right? Let me give you an example. We see this in parenting all the time. A lot of things I could celebrate with my kids. I'll just pick one story. Uh, this past year, uh, Jacob was a senior at, at uh, Turpin or, uh, and playing soccer for Turpin there. And he, they were in their, their biggest game of the year against a, a team that's uh, right across the street from us right now, which many of you probably have strong feelings for or against if you're from around here. So I understand I'm being controversial. But he's playing. And uh, last year... Uh, Anderson was certainly the superior team to Turpin, no doubt about it. This, uh, Anderson was expected to win by, by several goals uh, because they're quite a bit better. Um, Jacob plays goalie, and it was a really tight game. And uh, it was in the second half there, and, and I was sitting there with, um, with my wife, Jennifer, and uh, with Kevin Connors, our youth pastor, and we're watching, and uh, there's this moment where... Um, the ball's kind of up in the air there in the box, not far from the goal. And this kid from Anderson, goal's behind him, right? He's facing that way, and he does a bicycle kick. I don't know if you're familiar. If not, Google it. It's basically where you elevate and you kick the ball back over your head towards the goal, right? And he hits this thing great. I mean, it's just a rocket, and, and Jacob dives, and he gets just fingertip on that ball, and it goes wide, right? Like, he, I mean, I know you shouldn't celebrate sin, but this was straight-up robbery, right? I mean, this should have been a goal. And the Anderson fans are like, oh, my gosh, this would have been, like, the goal of our whole season, right? And, of course, we're all just cheering. We're excited, right? I look down, and I, and I see him. His ball goes down the field, and he, he just, you know, just glowing, right? And, and my heart, I'm just so happy because I know how hard you have to work to make that kind of save, to prepare to do that kind of thing, right? And so as his dad, I'm just so happy to see him so happy in that moment. Now, this didn't happen, but imagine if right after that save, the ball goes down the field, and he's just so overwhelmed with happiness in this moment that he takes off, and he runs over towards the Anderson bench, right? And he runs by that bench and just gives him all the middle finger all the way down the field, right? Would I still be happy? No. 
Because while I'm thrilled to see him succeed in soccer, I'm a lot more concerned about my kid's character and the things that actually matter in life after you get outside of that moment. How much more so with God? God loves to see you win. He loves to see you celebrate. He loves to see great things in life. But not when it compromises holiness, friends. That's the standard. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Your happiness is not the goal. It's just not. In the end, God's holiness is the goal every single time. God's holiness is the goal of of the real Christian life, a life that is truly lived for Him. So if we just get real practical here, right? We look at our lives and what, how do we live? Are we living for, for my temporal happiness or, or for God's holiness? God challenges us to difficult things sometimes. For example, he, he says that, uh, this, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So everything I've got that I consider to be mine is actually the Lord's, right? And the Bible teaches that I'm to give that first 10% or tithe back to him, right? That's tough. That's a lot, and say, well, gosh, if I, if I kept that first 10% for me, I could be a lot more happier by earthly standards, right? I could buy more cool stuff. I could take more cool vacations, all these kind of things that, that bring a smile to our faces, right? So, so why would I want to do that? Well, is my pursuit temporal happiness or is it holiness? Or we could look at other aspects of life. Uh, maybe you've, you're a student in school or you've got a job, right? And the Bible tells us that whatever we do, we should work at it with our whole heart because we're working for the Lord, not for people, right? But the people around you are being lazy. They're slacking off. They're, they're just, you know, you're all tired. You just don't feel like it. It's just kind of the culture of the place where you're at. And so, you, you know, it's so easy just to kind of phone it in and do what everybody else does. You know that God calls you to be better, but instead... Maybe you choose what everybody else is doing because it just seems like it would make you happier if you could just kind of phone it in today and not put so much into this. Or, or in marriage, right? You know, you got married, you've been married for a little while now, and you're like, you know what? My spouse does not make me as happy as my spouse once made me, right? And I'm not happy about this. Are you going to be faithful to your vows or are you out? Are you going to do the hard work? Are you going to go to counseling? Are you going to dig in? Are you going to look at how do I need to change? How's the Lord calling me to to be in this situation? Friends, it's very easy. It's very subtle to make decisions that are really for our short-term happiness versus God's holiness. And when we lack accountability in our lives, it's even more challenging. We need somebody else to help hold us accountable. Because if we're just living as if our happiness is all that matters, if that's where you're at today, if you look at a lot of your decisions and you say, honestly, most of my decisions are just based on what's going to make me happy. Who do you think you are? I mean, seriously. Why is your happiness so very important that God and everybody else should just revolve around it? I I don't think that's the life that you want to live, and I know it's not the life God's calling you to live. 
God wants something so much more for you than just that. God's holiness is all that matters. And in God's holiness, you're going to find a joy and a peace that's a whole lot better than whatever the stuff that sin is bringing into your life. Sin only brings satisfaction for a season, but it doesn't work out long term. Let me tell you. Romans 6.1 says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that our God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in his baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I love this. When you gave your life to Jesus, it uses the metaphor of baptism, right? We do that over here all the time. And we get get people into the pool there, and we dip you under the water. It's a symbolic of dying to sin and raising to new life in Jesus Christ. So you say, look, all that other junk, you died to that. Like when you gave your life to Jesus, you said, I want to put that in the past. I, that, that stuff is dead to me now. I want to live for Jesus. I want to move forward. And so I want to find joy in the things that make his heart happy. Instead of this sinful and stupid stuff, I want to put that behind me, and I want to live for him. Instead of finding happiness there, I want to find true joy by walking in holiness. Maybe you're here and you realize that you've been trying to find your happiness, in, uh, wh- whether it's in, it's in greed or it's in lust or it's in, in selfishness or arrogance or whatnot, friend, Jesus offers you something so much better. I long for you to have what is so much better and deeper than that temporary stuff. Finally, God doesn't want you happy when you're obsessed with happiness instead of God's blessing. Now, these are often words we use in a synonymous way, but if you look at the original language, that word blessing, it's a superlative word. It means like supremely blessed, right? Like it's a big, big blessed kind of word, right? That, that God wants that for you. He wants something more than just temporal happiness. If you're obsessed with happiness, my friend, you're settling for a lot less than second best. You may be insulting the heart of God. Because you're saying, I just want this thing, and it's such a lesser thing than what God has for you. God offers you something so much better than this. This is, uh, this is something so much deeper. Psalm 112, verse 1, who's blessed? Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. We've been talking about this. This doesn't mean a terror. It means a respect of God. That, that I say that Jesus is number one, that he is my Lord, he's my Savior, he's the one I want to follow. And so I'm going to put him first in my life. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. See, oftentimes we may ask, say, hey, are, are you blessed? And be like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally blessed. You know, this past year I, I, I got a raise and so I could buy a new car. It's got leather seats. That's awesome, right? Like, Praise report, you know, like, okay, if you have leather seats, I'm, I'm not hating on you. I have leather seats, okay? Like, it's about a lot more than just that. When we're talking blessed, God's talking about, about a lot more than just temporary stuff. It's something so much more deep than that. Those are short-term. Who's blessed? Let's ask Jesus. Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted.
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And if that's not challenging, let's skip it down to verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. So, bad news, God doesn't want you happy all the time. Good news, God wants you much more than happy. God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed with a joy and a peace that is so much deeper than any circumstance you're going to go through. I, I saw this lived out with my mom this past year. She, she knew, we all knew what the, the end game was likely to be, minus just a crazy miracle, right? Like we, this was, we understood this. And yet, she, you know, my mom helped me to find faith as, as a child, like that, and um, it just changed my life forever. And in so many ways, my mom uh, has just made such an amazing impact on me, I could go on and on, but she also gave us a gift in this past year that, that she taught us how to die as well. Because here in the midst of something that, that very justifiably would make you not happy, she continually found a joy in Jesus. And the one thing she was adamant about for her memorial service is she said, nobody better stay up there and say, stand up there and say that she lost her battle to cancer. She said, I didn't lose anything. I'm with Jesus. I've got the ultimate victory. And cancer can't steal that joy from me. Cancer can bring me pain. Cancer can make me unhappy. Cancer can make me feel sick. But cancer cannot touch my joy. That's blessing. That's a life that is blessed by God. And I want for people like you and me to, to have that. You know, this, this next year, God may bless you in a variety of ways. For example, if, if you've got a job, maybe God will bless you with a promotion and you'll get more responsibility and you'll get a, a bigger salary and, and all these kind of things and you get the job that you've always wanted to have. If so, awesome. Praise God. That's, that's great. It means you've got more responsibility now. You've got a higher level responsibility in your company. You're accountable for God for, to God for how you use that. You've got more money. You're accountable to God for how you use that, right? So, so awesome, praise God, and be responsible with it. Maybe this next year God will bless you uh, in your family with a child. Maybe, um, maybe you'll have a child or a grandchild or a gra- great-grandchild or whatever, and God will bless you with a, with a healthy baby. It's just going to bring so much joy and excitement into your family. And you won't sleep as much, but it'll just be just amazing. What a gift of God. What a blessing from God that would be. Or maybe, maybe for you, um, uh, it's something different. Maybe, maybe it'll be just less conflict in your life. Maybe things will just go smoothly. And it'll be almost just a strange level of peace and whatnot. Praise God. What a blessing that is. All those things we can see how the Lord is blessing you. Or maybe God will bless you in different ways. Maybe this year you'll lose your job. 
and it'll be tough. And you will find a deeper level of faith than maybe you've ever found before. Because the Bible says that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And maybe you'll find a dependence on God that you wouldn't have found otherwise. And maybe you'll, you'll go, to de- go deeper with your, with your family, with your spouse, with significant people in your life. Maybe you'll go deeper than you ever would have if you wouldn't have lost that job. Maybe a, a new baby will, will come into your family, and, and maybe this baby will be born with, with, with special needs. And um, this baby will show you Jesus in a way that you have never seen Jesus before. And that you will experience the love of God from this child in ways that just you never could have imagined possible. Or maybe you'll have a year and there's going to be some conflict in what you're going through. And you're going to have to lead through some difficult times. Other people are going to rely on you. It's going to be hard and challenging. But, but God is going to be faithful. And he's going to see you through. And he's going to help you have all the strength that you need to make it. Friends, blessing is a lot bigger than circumstance. And I know, I know that when the joy of the Lord is your strength, that there's nothing that you can't do without, God, with, without God's help. That God is there for you. He's got you. And find your joy and your peace in him. So Jesus, we come before you today. And we want to be people of that kind of joy. A joy that is bigger than circumstances. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we just pursue happiness above all else. Maybe our hearts are being convicted right now of some things that we've just been pursuing our own happiness and and not the things that really matter. We just give them to you in a moment of silence. Thank you, Jesus, that in your name we are forgiven and that we can find new life and new joy and new hope in you. Jesus, we give ourselves to you. We want to be holy as you are holy, and that's only going to be possible by the power of your Holy Spirit living inside of us. So, Lord, I just pray that you would, that you would do a work in our heart right now, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would strengthen our resolve. Lord, I pray for the one who has zero happiness in life right now. I pray for an overwhelming sense of your peace and joy that cannot be explained other than you. I pray for the one who's just riding high and who has somehow thought it's because they're making all the right choices. Lord, I just pray for real awareness of our dependency on you, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And I pray for everybody in between, Lord, that you would just meet us today. Help us never to to get drunk on the happiness of this world, but instead to be filled with your spirit, to be changed by you. We love you, God. We give ourselves to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.